I start at page 44. Interreligious cooperation. In interreligious relationships, Islam goes one step further by declaring, وَلَا يَجْرِمَنَّكُمْ شَنَآنُ قَوْمٍ أَنْ صَدُّوكُمْ عَنِ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ أَنْ تَعْتَدُوا وَتَعَوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَعَوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ And let not the enmity of a people that they hindered you from access to the sacred mosque incite you to treat them with inequity. Instead, help each other in good things of life and in all such things as are based on the fear of Allah. Do not, however, help one another in the sinful things and transgression. The Holy Quran does not permit Muslims to treat with injustice even such enemies as had committed aggression against them due to religious enmity. We now turn to the category of those non-believers who were not known to have taken any active part in hostilities against Muslims. Referring to them, the believers are told in the Holy Quran, لم يقاتلوكم في الدين ولم يخرجوكم من دياركم أن تبروهم وتقسطوا إليهم إن الله يحب المقسطين. It may be that Allah will bring about love between you and those of them with whom you are now at enmity. And Allah is all-powerful and Allah is most forgiving, merciful. Allah forbids you not respecting those who have not fought against you on account of your religion, and who have not driven you out of your homes, that you be kind to them and deal equitably with them. Surely, Allah loves those who are equitable. Muslims are also thought to invite the people of the book and to cooperate with them in spreading the message of the unity of God, a belief shared with them. The import of the verse below is to emphasize the point of commonality and chalk a mutual program for the benefit of mankind rather than to highlight the areas of differences resulting in discord. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهَ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ فَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْا فَقُولُوا شَهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Say, O people of the book, come to a word equal between us and you, that we worship none but Allah, and that we associate no partner with him, and that some of us take not others for lords besides Allah. But if they turn away, then say, bear witness that we have submitted to God. Conclusion Before examining any meaningful role that the bona fide religions of the world can play in providing peace to man in all areas of human activity, it is highly essential to critically examine the role of religions in establishing peace within the various sections of their own adherents, and also to adjudge whether religions, as long as they exist, can ever learn to live at peace with each other. Judging from the growing influence of materialism, and the emphasis of society as a whole shifting from spiritual to carnal and sensual pleasures, one may be led to believe that religion should be discarded and ignored as an unimportant factor. I regret to disagree with such a conclusion because, 
Unless we reform religious attitudes internally and externally, religion will continue to play a very strong negative role, rather than a beneficial positive role, in our efforts to achieve global peace. Religion, which should have played a leading role in establishing peace, removing misunderstanding between adherents of different sects and religions, cultivating decency, and promoting the principle of live and let's live, has unfortunately, in the contemporary times, played a very minor and insignificant role, if any at all, in the promotion of peace anywhere in the world. Yet, in creating disorder and bloodshed and in causing misery and immense suffering, it still is a very potent and dynamic force. We should not be underestimated at all. No global peace can be visualized without addressing this vital problem and redressing its faults. Internally, religious sentiments can be strongly excited and activated to spread misery and suffering amongst a section of its adherents, which, unfortunately, happens to belong to a minority sect within that religion. The entire Muslim history is full of such ugly and despicable episodes where Islam, the religion of peace, was itself employed to shatter the peace of innocent believers who, of course, believed in Islam, but not in the way and style as others would have them. In fact, a study of Islamic history proves beyond a shadow of doubt that Islam has been misemployed for the persecution of Muslims themselves. The holy wars that the Muslims fought against the Crusaders are far more outnumbered and outweighed by the holy wars that Muslims fought against Muslims during the last 14 centuries. The chapter is not closed. What has been happening in Pakistan vis-à-vis Ahmadiyya Muslims and not too infrequently against the Shia minority is enough to bring to focus of attention to the fact that this heinous problem which should have died long ago lives on. In Christianity, persecution of Christians at the hands of Christians may appear to be a very far cry buried under the debris of European and American history, but a study of the religion-political strife in Ireland appears to prove otherwise. Also, there are potential dangers of uh, sectarian strife within Christianity in other parts of the world, which at present are preoccupied with other strife and feuds. In interreligious relationships, the Hindu-Muslim riots in India, or Muslim-Christian strife in Nigeria, or Jewish-Muslim hostilities in the Middle East and elsewhere, and also an undercurrent of politically and economically fragile Judeo-Christian relationship, are all but a few signs of latent dangers which lie like dormant volcanoes in the subterranean religious world. The importance of reforming the attitudes to such problems cannot be overemphasized. To recapitulate, to recapitulate the Islamic approach as to how such problems should be resolved, we conclude by pointing out that 1. All religions of the world, whether they believe in Islam or not, must conform to the underlying, underlying Islamic principle of not permitting the use of force and coercion in any manner as an instrument in resolving intersectarian and interreligious strife. The choice of religion, the freedom, of, uh, the freedom to profess, propagate, practice and exercise, or to denounce, or to cease to believe or change one's belief must be protected absolutely. 2. Even if other religions cannot agree with the Islamic concept of universality of truth, and even if, for instance, from the vantage point of Judaism, 
Christianity, Buddhism, Confucianism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, etc. Other religions are all false and have nothing to do with God. Then, despite this negation of truth elsewhere, all religions must conform to the Islamic principle of showing respect and reverence to the founders and holy personages of other faiths. In pursuance thereof, they do not have to compromise their principles. It is simply a matter of fundamental human rights, the right of every human being that his religious sensibilities and sentiments shall not be violated and offended must be recognized. 3. It should be remembered that the above principle cannot be enforced by any national or international law. It should be understood in conjunction with the principle that blasphemy does not warrant man-made punishment, but that it should be decried and discouraged by promoting public opinion for condemning such acts of indecent, imprudent, and loathsome. 4. Interfaith conferences on the pattern introduced by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in the earlier part of this century should be widely encouraged and promoted. The soul and spirit of such conferences can be summed up by the following characteristics. A. All speakers should be encouraged to highlight the good points and attractive and distinctive features of their respective faith without maligning other faith. B. Indeed, speakers preferably belonging to one faith should genuinely try to discover the good features of other faiths, speak on them, and explain why they are impressed by them. C. Speakers belonging to different faiths should pay tribute to the nobility and character of the leaders of other faiths. For instance, a Jewish speaker could speak on the distinctive features of the Holy Prophet Muhammad which can be appreciated by all human beings without compromising their religious dogmas. Similarly, a Muslim speaker could speak of Krishna alayhi salam, Hindus speak on Jesus Christ alayhi salam, a Buddhist on Moses alayhi salam, and so on and so forth. During the third decade of this century, such conferences were held to great benefit and growing popularity by the Ahmadiyya community to improve Hindu-Muslim relationships in India. D. Without prejudice to what has been proposed in C., the sanctity of religious dialogue must be protected between sects and faith. Interreligious exchange of views must not be condemned as attempts to sabotage religious peace. It is the manner of dialogue which, if wrong, should be condemned and not the dialogue itself. The free flow of ideas is the most important of fundamental human rights, essential for the survival of the fittest. It may not be compromised at any cost. E. To narrow the areas of differences and enlarge the possibility of agreements, it is highly essential that all religions accept the principle of limiting their debates with followers of other faiths to the sources of their respective religions. The Quranic declaration that all religions are the same at their sources should not be treated lightly. It comprises a world of wisdom which should be examined and explored by all religions to their own advantage as well as to the advantage of mankind as a whole. 5. Cooperation in all good plans and schemes for the mutual benefit of mankind must be promoted and encouraged. For instance, philanthropic projects could be undertaken jointly between Christians and Muslims and Hindus and Jews, etc. Only then can we hopefully realize the time old utopian dream, the time old utopian dream of past sages and thinkers, 
namely that of uniting man under one flag in all spheres of human activity, whether they be religious, social, economic, or political fields, and all that they, all that really matters. I end at page 50.